0: It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. And now, this is the Neighborhood Podcast. With New Age Insider's Chief of Staff, D.C. Matthews. Over the last few days, I've been wondering something. I've been wondering, what made Dusty Rhodes so good? What is it about him that has caused everyone to be so devastated by his unfortunate death? It's not just that he didn't look like a professional wrestler. A lot of guys don't look like professional wrestlers. And it's not that he was good at cutting a promo, though he was one of the best. I think what made Dusty Rhodes so good was how easy he made it all look. Dusty Rhodes made being a professional wrestler look easy. He made it effortless, and that's why I think he was so good. I say this, I bring this up, because Jason Maltov, Liam Stryker, and Bill Neville, the hosts of the hugely popular and fantastic NAI pod, make doing a podcast look easy. They make it look effortless. And I know it's not now. This is take two of The Neighborhood Podcast. By the way, welcome to The Neighborhood Podcast. My name is DC Matthews. I'm the chief of staff of the New Age Insiders. And this is so much harder than being a writer. It's a little insane. I know now why I am a writer. With a writing, you can edit. You can change one thing. I can take this sentence and decide, you know, this is better put over here. As I said, this is take two. And the reason it's take two is because take one as I just tweeted, sounded like it was recorded on the runway of Newark International Airport. You know, you take for granted some of the things that you're supposed to know. Like, for example, the further you are away from the microphone, the worse you sound. Did you know this? You probably did. I apparently did not, so I recorded a uh, take one of the Neighborhood podcast sitting way back in my chair with my microphone about two to three feet away and... Ace producer Bill Neville, who I cannot thank enough for all of his help with this, happened to mention that the sound quality wasn't as good as it should have been. And I said, is it because I'm sitting two to three feet away? And you couldn't, I was talking to him online, so you couldn't hear that pause where he wondered how his chief of staff was so dumb. But that's what happened because I didn't know. Now I do, so we're trying this again. I'm now sitting an appropriate distance away. I turned off the fan so that there's less background noise. And I'd like to welcome you to the Neighborhood Podcast. As I said, my name is DC Matthews. You can find me on Twitter, at DC Matthews, N A I. I got rid of that underscore because it seemed to be a pain to keep mentioning that. So just at DC Matthews, N A I. And I'm the chief of staff of the New Age Insiders. If you have spent the last few months or almost a year at this point, living in a Cold War bunker, and you're just coming out to rejoin society. If by chance you don't know who the New Age Insiders are, they are the premier place for wrestling fans to connect, discuss, and to be heard. And they are the host of the best wrestling podcast I've ever heard, and one that I, I don't think it's an exaggeration, is far better than this one will ever be. N-A-I-Pod. If you don't know who the New Age Insiders are, there's Jason, Call me Ethel Maltov at New Age Insiders. There's Liam. Please don't call him Ethel Stryker at Liam NAI. And there's Bill, the one true sensation Neville at Bill Neville NAI. And once again, I want to thank Bill for all of his help getting me to this point where I can talk to you. If it wasn't for Bill, none of this would happen. This microphone was bought based on Bill's advice. I sound however good I may sound to you right now thanks to Bill's advice. So while he's not sitting in the room with me as he does with the boys on an AI pod each week, Bill Neville is really the producer of this podcast. And so I thank him for all of his help. What is the neighborhood podcast? Well, right now it's an experiment. We're on a journey together. You and I, we're going to be trying out whether or not one single person with very little technical knowledge can host a wrestling podcast. So right now we're in the experimental phase. We're trying things out. We're learning. I'm a teacher, as many of you know. And so the world is filled with teachable moments and learning opportunities, and this is certainly one of them as I sit here talking to you for take two of the Neighborhood Podcast. I've learned from some of my mistakes before. I'm sure I'll make plenty more and will learn from them each and every time. And as I say to my students every single day, as long as you are learning from your mistakes, that's the important thing. Failure is always an option and sometimes is for the best. So what is the Neighborhood Podcast? The Neighborhood Podcast, when we get all of our ducks in a row and we get going the neighborhood podcast is going to be a chance for you to truly be heard that's the slogan and the core philosophy of the new age insiders is to be heard you can be heard on twitter and i hope that you do at new age insiders you can be heard on their weekly podcast you can call in most weeks and i hope that you do you can also post on the website, and I sincerely hope that you do, and not just because, as the chief of staff of the New Age Insiders, the website com, by the way, is kind of where I reside up until I thought that I was ready to host a podcast. The website is where you can be heard without limits. When you're on Twitter, you have 140 characters to get your message across, and as Many of you neighbors know that can be a pain. You can call into the podcast, and again, I hope that you do, but since the podcast is so popular, Jason, Liam, and Bill have to take as many phone calls as they can, so you don't always get the chance to say everything you want to say. The website, newageinsiders.com, when you click on that Discuss tab, that's where you have free reign to say whatever you want to say. If you're a Hall of Famer, if you're a member of the New Age Insiders Hall of Fame, you can post any day of the week as often as you wish. And while I'm not going to call any of you out to the carpet yet, Shannon, I am going to encourage every Hall of Famer to be a frequent poster on NewAgeInsiders.com, and not just because I'm lonely, which I am a little bit now that I think about it, the best way to be heard is to get your opinions out there. And it is in my personal opinion that the website's the best place to do that. For those of you who are not yet Hall of Famers, and I know some of you take being a Hall of Famer very seriously, you have all day on Friday to post. It is Fan Friday on NewAgeInsiders.com, and that's where you get the chance to post. You can post on any topic you want. You can talk about WWE, NXT, NXT, Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground. You can talk about Japan if you are a I spent some time yesterday trying to look up the pronunciation of this word, which I've seen thousands of times written, but I've never actually heard, so let me see if I remember it, and if I get the pronunciation wrong, I don't need to invite you to correct me, you'll just do it. Puroresu I believe is the term Puroresu. Japanese wrestling pro res as it's called. You can talk about any of those things you want. You can talk about nostalgia spelled with NAI, of course, talking about your favorite things from history. And we'll get more to that when we talk about the Neighborhood Podcast. So I encourage you all to post, whether it's every day or just on Fridays until you become a Hall of Famer. I think it's a great place for you to be heard and get your opinions out there. And I think we we are already an incredible wrestling community. I don't think I'm the only one who is really into professional wrestling right now because of the people I met online. And I'm talking to you. Insert your name here. The Neighborhood Podcast is just another way to be heard. What I'd like to do with the Neighborhood Podcast is I would like to get the chance to talk to you, the Neighborhood, about professional wrestling and your personal narrative with professional wrestling. What do I mean by personal narrative? Your story. You'll forgive me if I break into teacher jargon now and then. Your story with professional wrestling. Most of us have been fans for years, and that's what I want to talk about. When did you become a fan of professional wrestling? When did you first, do you remember that first moment you saw it? What attracted you to professional wrestling? Who attracted you to professional wrestling? That's what I'd like to do with the Neighborhood Podcast. And in the very near future, I'll start the Neighborhood Podcast by telling you my own personal narrative. My own story of professional wrestling. But since this is take two, and I already recorded a 40-minute Newark Airport special podcast, I'm going to try to streamline that and talk about what I was going to talk about with this first podcast. I'd like to talk about two things. The first thing I'm going to talk about is... My overall impressions of Ring of Honor. I broke down the this week's TV episode on the last test podcast. I don't want to do that completely. I want to just share my overall thoughts. And then I want to talk about Money in the Bank, which is taking place tonight. I sincerely hope you can hear this tonight. Otherwise, you're going to hear this tomorrow, talking about what happened last night, and it's going to be confusing. You'll understand and forgive me for the fact that I seemingly didn't realize how to talk into a microphone. I want to talk about the Money in the Bank ladder match specifically, and I want to talk about how each person can win, because I believe there's a way, a legitimate way, for every single member of this match to win. And I'm going to talk about that right at the end. But let's get into Ring of Honor. I wasn't watching Ring of Honor. I had signed up for WWE Network, and as you'll learn in my personal narrative, or as you've learned by reading my columns, I became a new member, or a returning member, of the wrestling fold when WWE Network came out. I wasn't going to pay $50, $60 a month for pay-per-views. But once I was able to get pay-per-views and the archive of WWE Network for just, say it with me, friends, nine ninety nine. It was too good of a deal to pass up. And I know it was too good of a deal to pass up because my wife, the beautiful and amazingly supportive Mrs. Matthews, told me that I needed to do it. Now, my wife is not a professional wrestling fan, never has been, probably never will be. When I watch WWE Network she and she's in the room, she usually either A, leaves the room very quickly, or B, Mocks it, and I don't mind most of the time. My favorite part was I was on a quest, and I've mentioned this a hundred times already. I'm on a quest to watch every NWA and WCW pay per view, including Clash of the Champions. I'm not sure about Nitro, but we'll get into that later. And I was watching some of the stuff with Lex Luger. Now, Lex Luger has never, ever been a favorite professional wrestler of mine. And my wife, the beautiful and amazingly supportive Mrs. Matthews, looks up from the book she's reading sees Lex Luger and asks the best question I've ever heard in my life. Why is that man wearing a diaper? I'm going to just give you another minute to to just enjoy that. Why is that man wearing a diaper? And now I can't watch most pro wrestling, but especially Lex Luger, in the same way, because he is wearing a diaper. I don't know if he's padding that, those tights or what, but he looks like he's just a giant man-baby running around a wrestling ring. Why did I get on the topic of Lex Luger? Ah, yes, I was talking about my own personal narrative. I wasn't watching Ring of Honor, is where I kind of fell off the rails a bit in terms of going off on a little tangent, which is gonna happen... I wasn't watching Ring of Honor. I'm paying $9.99 a month for WWE Network. Why in the world would I pay for something else when I could spend 24 hours a day watching WWE Network and be entertained? Um, I started watching Lucha Underground when I realized that there was a way for me to watch it for free. I don't pay for cable. My wife and I canceled cable a couple of months ago. We haven't missed it for a second. The only time I ever come close to missing it is because I can't watch Monday Night Raw with you, The Neighborhood. I tend to catch up the next day. But I watched Lucha Underground and I liked it, but I still hadn't watched Ring of Honor. And part of that was because, and this, maybe I'm alone in this, when everyone tells me something is good, I immediately feel like I can't watch it. I'm not much of a conformist or a non-conformist, but, and, I, and I don't want to say it's out of spite, but I was just like, all of you are saying Ring of Honor's good. Maybe the expectations were too high. But I wasn't watching it. That's kind of the long and short of it, is I wasn't watching Ring of Honor. When they announced that they were going on to Destination America, I felt I had no choice anymore. I really needed to start watching, just because now the neighborhood was going to start talking about it, and as chief of staff of the New Age Insiders, I need to be up to date on most topics of pro wrestling, Ring of Honor being one of them. So I signed up for a free membership, and I've watched three episodes. I started with the episode just before the Destination America episode, and I've watched these two weeks of television. I like it, but I don't love it. I have some problems with Ring of Honor. And again, I want to say it again. I like it. The match between Kyle O'Reilly and Jay Lethal, which if you just started watching during Destination America, you really need to find a way to watch this match. It was just from the week before. It was a 30-minute time limit draw. First things first, one thing I like, they do time limit draws. Someone please do a little bit of research and let me know the last WWE match that ended in a time limit draw. I'm guessing it's been a while. So I like that part. There's, there are a lot of things about Ring of Honor that I like. My biggest problem with Ring of Honor is that coming into it essentially with Destination America, I don't know who any of these people are. Some of them I recognize. I know Jay Lethal from his days in TNA. I'm super impressed that he went from black machismo to the character he is now with the House of Truth, I believe is the staple. But I don't know who these people are. And Ring of Honor right now, and I'm going to say right now, isn't doing a very good job telling me who these people are. And I said right now because I think part of that is just the nature of what happened. They had a television show. They were doing all of this work and all of a sudden they get this TV deal. It doesn't seem to me like this was planned. They knew months in advance. It kind of just happened. And I think that's a problem because we don't know who these people are. They have a man called Cheeseburger. There is a wrestler named Cheeseburger. I need more information. Who is this person? This 135-pound soaking wet person. And why, why, why is his name Cheeseburger? Until I know the answer to that, I will never be able to buy in to this talent or any of the matches that he is in. I watched his match with Brutal Bob Evans who looks like a guy from the front row. And all I could think about the entire time was he doesn't look like a cheeseburger. He didn't come to the ring with a platter of cheeseburgers. Honestly, if this guy was, he had come to the ring in a McDonald's uniform, it would have made more sense to me than it does now. That's one of the questions. And trust me, I exaggerated on it just because I I stuck to it because it bothered me. It is probably one of the more trivial questions they need to answer. But Ring of Honor needs to take some time to introduce these talents to me. What made Lucha Underground fun for me to watch was that I started when it started. I started watching Lucha Underground and watched them develop these characters. I got to know who Mil Muertes was. I got to know who Phoenix was. I got to know who Johnny Mundo in the Lucha Underground canon was. I don't know who any of these Ring of Honor people are. I was watching Ring of Honor a decade ago, and Jay Briscoe was not this guy. What's his deal? What's the deal with the kingdom? What's the deal with the Bullet Club? If you pay attention on Twitter, you know some of it, but if Ring of Honor wants to be a successful wrestling TV show, They're not going to be WWE, and to their credit, they're not even trying to be WWE. If they want to be a successful wrestling TV show, they need to take some time to let us know who these talents are. And that might go against the Ring of Honor philosophy. I'm talking vignettes. I'm talking three or four minutes to tell me who the guys in the kingdom are, why Maria Kanellis is involved with them, and what they've been up to over the last year. I need to know that information. I need to know who this guy Moose is. If it wasn't for Cheeseburger, I'd be yelling about the name Moose right now. Who is Moose? Why did he beat up a kid? I don't know if if you're watching on Destination America. I don't know if you saw that episode, but he beat up Steve Carino's kid, who is even skinnier than Cheeseburger, I might add. So I have questions, and I'm not going to be able to love this program until I get at least some of these questions answered. And again, maybe it's just me. If you disagree with me, please tell me on Twitter. Please write about it on the website. Please let me know. But to me, until I know who these characters are, I can't buy in. All right, let's talk about Money in the Bank. There are seven superstars in Money in the Bank tonight. And as much as I would love to think they're going to add an eighth, I don't see it. I'd love to think they're going to have some sort of battle royal on the pre-show and Cesaro or Bray Wyatt will qualify. I don't think that's happening. So there's seven guys in Money in the Bank, and I do think there's a way that each one of them can win. There's a rationale that WWE can have in order for all of them to win. And so let's talk about that now. Roman Reigns wins if WWE is taking the easy way out. And that has a negative connotation to it. I actually don't mean it badly. When you saw... When we were at the Elimination Chamber together and you saw the lineup for Money in the Bank, you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Roman Reigns was going to win. It seemed written in the stars. Nobody else was a real top contender. This was Roman's day. And again, it's not the end of the world that that's the case. If WWE is really convinced that this is where they want to go. If somewhere Vince or Triple H or Kevin Dunn or whoever is running the show, which will be an entirely separate podcast, I'm sure, if they're convinced that Roman Reigns is the guy, then Roman Reigns wins. And I have to tell you, there'll be a whole lot less backlash now than there was in January when he won the Rumble. You'll see some people being smarky online and saying, hashtag cancel WWE Network. They won't mean it nearly the way they meant it back in January. Roman Reigns has grown. Do I think he's ready yet? No. But he's closer. But Roman Reigns wins if that's the way WWE wants to go. Go the easy route. Go the predictable route. Not the end of the world. Randy Orton wins Money in the Bank if the last few months have caused Seth Rollins to not seem like the champion WWE wants him to be. He won the title at WrestleMania. The world exploded. People were incredibly happy, mainly because it wasn't Roman Reigns, but we all love Seth Rollins. And since then, Seth Rollins has been the whiny heel, which is a perfectly fine character. Triple H had that character. You know, Many guys have had that character in professional wrestling, but he's almost gone too far that way. And I think... My opinion tonight, and I posted this in my column, which I hope you've read, on com. my Money in the Bank predictions column. Seth Rollins needs a decisive win over Dean Ambrose tonight. But if WWE thinks that's not going to be enough, they can put Randy Orton back in the main event scene. Randy Orton cashes in at Battleground or SummerSlam. I think he would announce that he's cashing in. It wouldn't be a surprise thing. He would just say, I want you, and would cash in. And... Rollins would win again and continue to get built as that top star. It seems funny to think that the world heavyweight champion wouldn't be a top star, but his stock has fallen, at least in my eyes, over the last few weeks. He's been too whiny and too reliant on the authority. And again, maybe that's what they want. Maybe that's the booking they have in mind. And if that's the case, great. I'm not excited about that particular story. But if that's the direction that they're going, I think what I'm Telling what I'm hearing myself say here is, I want them to have a direction. I want them to know where they're going. We've spent so often, seemingly, since the Punk and Bryan episode, WWE has seemed to be floundering. I truly believe they had a plan in place, Punk left, Bryan got hurt, and that plan blew up, and they've been scrambling to come up with a new plan ever since if they have a plan, no matter how I personally feel about the plan, I'm happy. So that's how I think Randy Orton could win. Sheamus wins the Money in the Bank briefcase if Dean Ambrose is going to be world champion. I'm kind of excited about a potential Dean Ambrose versus Sheamus feud for the world title. This might seem far-fetched, but I think if Ambrose was to win, I think he and Rollins would need to take a break from each other, and there'd be Roman Reigns in there as well, and we could be heading towards the first of what will inevitably be many S.H.I.E.L.D. triple threat matches, which we're all dying to see. But I think giving Seamus the chance to get back into that main event picture would be good. I love Seamus' new character. I love the Mohawk. I am not a big fan of the beard, but I don't notice. That as much his Are You Not Entertained promo work has been tremendous, I think you reward a guy for doing such a good job with a main event push, and the briefcase would do that. And again, I like the idea of Dean Ambrose fighting Sheamus for a couple of months. That would be fun. Kofi Kingston wins the money in the bank briefcase if they want to give it to Brock Lesnar in Tokyo on July 4th. That's the only way Kofi wins. I like Kofi Kingston. Jason Maltov thinks that Big E is the most talented wrestler of the New Day. And I disagree. I think it's Kofi Kingston. I've loved Kofi Kingston since he made his debut and was pretending to be Jamaican. I would be the first in line to celebrate if I really thought Kofi Kingston could be a potential main event guy. It's not going to happen. The only way Kofi wins is if Brock Lesnar kills him and takes the briefcase in two weeks, because we're on that two-week cycle here. So if that happens, if they want Brock Lesnar to have the briefcase and just chase Seth Rollins through WWE arenas for the next month or so, which is not a bad idea, to be honest, that's how he wins. Dolph Ziggler wins Money in the Bank if WWE is ready to give him another main event push. There's no doubting he's talented. With Lana at his side, he's got some more star power than he's had in a long time. I could see Dolph Ziggler getting another shot. I know he's an injury risk, and personally, if I'm running a company, I'm not putting a guy with an injury risk in a top position. We've been burned one too many times with that. But I'm not running the company, and there's probably about a thousand reasons why that's the case. So maybe WWE is ready for another shot. I'm not the only one who would pay money to watch Dolph Ziggler fight Seth Rollins. I know that much. Neville wins the Money in the Bank briefcase if WWE is tired of the Money in the Bank briefcase. The briefcase is a great story element or story in and of itself. You can take a character like Seth Rollins who needed something else after the shield broke up. You give him the briefcase and it kind of helps to build his character until he cashes it in. I'm not saying that I don't like the briefcase. I am saying that I'm a little tired of it. It feels like That's been done many, many times now, and WWE might feel the same way, in which case Neville winning gives you the opportunity to take a break from it, and here's how I would personally do that. Neville wins, comes out the next night on Raw, and says he's cashing in at Battleground. He's going to announce. He announces that he's going to cash it in. You have Neville and Seth Rollins have an amazing 20-minute match at Battleground, which is a great way to main event that card. You've got two former NXT champions going at it. That's a great way to put a stamp on it and say NXT has totally arrived. This is how we're doing business from now on. And Seth Rollins wins. And you spend the remaining half of 2015 without anyone holding the briefcase. You would do this with Randy Orton too, I suppose, with the way I planned it. But you get rid of the briefcase. You give people time to miss the briefcase so that when you bring it back, hopefully at WrestleMania 32... I don't think it needs its own pay-per-view. When it comes back, people are excited about it. We've had this discussion countless times. They overdo these things. Hell in a Cell happens every year. The Elimination Chamber maybe not happens every year, but it happens quite a lot. And people were excited when it came back, even if the matches themselves weren't so great. You have a gimmick match when it fits a feud. You don't. You don't. You do not build your feud around whatever gimmick match is supposed to be coming up. That's not the best way to do wrestling. In the 80s and 90s, back when Dusty Rhodes was in his heyday, you had a cage match when the feud between Dusty and Ric Flair was so bitter, there was so much hatred, and you needed to keep the four horsemen out, that a steel cage was the only way for a fair fight. Now they just have cage matches because eh, we haven't had a cage match in a while. Or Hell in a Cell happens every October, so whoever's going to be feuding with each other, they should probably end it in a cell. Not the best way to do business, according to me. So I think if Neville wins, he cashes in fairly quickly. He loses, which is fine for Neville right now. He doesn't need to win right away. And you walk away from that story for a while. All right, here's my favorite one, and if you're paying attention, you're probably giving the iPod or the iPhone or however you're choosing to listen to this, and I thank you for listening to it. You're giving me a very quizzical look right now. Kane. You heard me. Kane. Wins the Money in the Bank briefcase if he's going to retire by the end of the calendar year. We all know, or at least I hope you all know, that Kane was set to leave. He was going to go home and sell insurance, which is what this poor man has wanted to do for quite some time. He wants to go home and sell insurance. He was going to do it, as far as I'm aware, around the time that Punk left and Brian got hurt, and they needed those top guys. And I know what you're thinking, but it's true. Kane is a top guy. They needed the top guys around. And so they asked Kane to stay. And because Kane is a loyal employee, he's been working for WWE for 15, 20 years now, he stayed. And he became corporate Kane. And then he became concession Kane for a while. And he's seen his stock drop tremendously while still being a top guy. But I do think it's time for him to go. And I think he wants to go. So if Kane wins at Money in the Bank... He can cash in at SummerSlam, and he can put his career on the line as well. I don't know how they do that. You know, maybe the night after when Kane wins and Seth Rollins wins, Rollins expects to have the briefcase too, because that's an interesting story that I don't think we've seen. The champion who also has the briefcase. It doesn't spread the wealth around a bit, but just imagine Seth Rollins, title over one shoulder, briefcase in the other hand. So if he ever does lose, he has an immediate chance to have the authority attack that person. He cashes in and wins the title back. That's kind of a cool way of treating the the briefcase for somebody like me who isn't as big of a fan of it anymore. So maybe that's what Rollins expects. And of course, Kane's not going to do that. And they go back and forth and back and forth. And Kane tries to cash in, but Rollins keeps escaping. Or Rollins has the authority maybe make put a restraining order, so Kane can't get within 100 feet of Rollins. So Kane can't cash in because he can't get close to Rollins. There's another quick armchair booking idea for you. So the only way for Kane to cash in is to put his career on the line. So one of your main events of SummerSlam is Seth Rollins versus Kane, title versus career. Rollins wins. Kane goes home. Everybody's happy. You might not like Kane, and that's fine if you don't. But you have to admit, that's not a bad way for him to go. All right, my friends. I'm actually talking for just about as long as I did on the first one. I really intended for this to be a shorter podcast. And once I edit out all of my pauses and mess-ups, and you won't hear them, but they're there. It'll be a shorter one. But this is The Neighborhood. I'm going to be recording something soon, as I said, my own personal narrative with wrestling to give you an idea of what I would like the Neighborhood Podcast to be when it's all said and done, and so I hope you'll join me again for that. Once again, my name is DC Matthews, Chief of Staff of the New Age Insiders. You can find me on Twitter, at DC NAI. If you're listening to this, you're undoubtedly a fan of the New Age Insiders, Jason, Liam, And the best producer in the world, Bill Neville. Bill, once again, thanks for all your help. You've just taken a tour around the neighborhood, and I hope to see you soon.